0: is the Ion on Health Show, 97.1 FM Talk. It's a lousy day outside. It's drizzling, it's dreary, so if you're inside listening to the radio show, then congratulations for making good choices in life. <laughs> you know, it
1: is, is a good day to sit inside yeah. and do like a
0: fireside chat. It is. It totally is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good good day And we've got
1: a great day. guest on today.
0: Right. We have two great guests. Two great guests two on. Two great it's guests. Great. And so this is this is very the studio
1: exciting. is filled with excitement.
0: It is, it is filled with excitement. It's just <laughs> overflowing with excitement. So the, the topic we're gonna talk about today is something that uh, a lot of people don't know much about or something that people have heard of but don't really know what it is, and that's that's neurofeedback. So we have uh, two guests here today. We have uh, we have Dr. Chris Schneider. Say hi, Dr. Schneider. Hello. Ah, very good. She, she's got she's this got, radio she's thing. She's getting it down. down. Yeah. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> good job, Dr. Schneider. Okay. And then we also have Catherine. Say hi, Catherine. Hi there. Hello. Yeah. So th- thank you for being with us, both of you. So yeah, good job. So um, so we're we're going to talk about neurofeedback, and uh, I think just if this sounds all right with you, Dr. Jones, we'll just start out with uh, asking uh, Dr. Schneider to tell us. Uh, the gist of what, what neurofeedback is and what it's for. And uh, and basically you have uh, six minutes. Ready, go. <laughs> <Dr>. No,
2: pressure.
1: <laughs> Dr. no Sh- pressure. Dr. Schneider, no pressure. We, we have touched on neurofeedback several years ago. Um, am I right in assuming this is kind of, it, we're still learning a lot more about it, right? It's, it's it, This is a newer field of information to learn about, correct?
2: For sure. Yeah. I often say we're in the wild, wild west. Right. Uh, We know about five percent of what we know and what we know is really exciting. Um, But, you know, I think this is the thing that 20 years from now, people are going to be saying, oh, wow, you guys used to do that. Now we have this, you know, we're so much more specific. Right.
1: And the number of things we can treat with neurofeedback, uh, again, I'm assuming here you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I rarely am that the, (laughs) the number of things we can treat just gets greater and greater as we learn more about it, correct?
2: For sure. I mean, and we can talk a little bit about the history, but in the 60s, we really thought that this was helpful for seizures, which is true, and helpful for anxiety, and that was it. <laughs> and hmm. now we absolutely sure. know, you know, things like traumatic brain injuries, things like PTSD, ADHD, um, you know, migraine headaches, there's all of this, and there's newer um Research coming out around the opioid addiction, perhaps, and dementia—like these big sort of hitters—that nothing else we seem we seem to not be effective in treating in any other way. So, if neurofeedback can do something for that, that's amazing. so. For those listening
1: out there, the, the I guess the general question would be: What is neurofeedback? I mean, in layman's terms, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, right. using small words.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> 250 characters or less.
2: <laughs> Wait, is this a Twitter? is twi- the Twitter <laughs> description, yeah. right? Tweet, tweet us. Fair <laughs> enough. So it is a difficult thing to explain, but basically, what we're doing is we're taking your brain and we're changing. We're we're helping your brain get into different brain waves. Now, as a therapist, this is what I've done my entire career, tried to get people to rewire their brains. But then somebody who's a lot smarter than me said, Why are you talking and do it when you can just have the brain learn how to do it? And so what it actually looks like is you come into the office and depending at ours, we do 19 points. There's 19 different points in your brain that we can change and you wear a cap and you get some gel and you basically basically end up playing a video game but not with the controllers like you would normally think you actually are watching a car and your brain learns how to make the car go because we're reading your brain waves and so when your waves are in the optimal form the car goes when they're not the car either stops or it goes to the right and so your brain learns is incentivized how to get in the correct brain waves
0: ah so so to make sure we got this so 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 the so the client is wearing a cap with 19 different I guess 19 different recording points or 19 different little Holes metal in the cap. things that okay <laughs> that, that can that can record your brain waves in yes. 19 different places and and you're looking at their brain waves and trying to help train them to have different brain waves or more more normal or more correct brain waves Yeah or, and it might
2: know? be helpful just briefly for me to talk about the different brain waves Yeah because that might just sort of help know what we're talking about. And so we all have some basic difference differences in brain waves, and they're all in our brain all the time, but we want some to be dominant in some parts of the brain and not in others. So, for instance, we all have heard of delta waves, I think, right? This is like the good slow. Oh, wave. Oh, sure. I mean,
1: slow one. I was just discussing delta yeah. waves yeah. this was, morning over coffee. I was, I, I was just talking
2: about delta <laughs> yeah. waves. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. What were
1: we talking delta, about that, Steve? I, yeah,
0: delta is awesome. I kind of yeah. like alpha, but delta Yeah. You know, yeah. Are there
1: gamma waves?
0: There
2: mm-hmm. are, actually. Does well that turn done. you into
1: the hole? if you turn your gamma waves on. Right. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah. yeah, sure. We all know um, about delta waves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <right>. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: so delta is a sleep wave. Yeah. Okay, we have right. it all the time. But if your dominant wave is delta when you're awake... Life's not going to go well. That's bad.
0: Right. right? Well, it's well, not supposed
1: like to be narcolepsy. You'll be, you'll be sleepy, maybe not as attentive. Right.
2: And not okay. not being able to focus maybe as well.
1: Okay. So we have different w- waves and and we know what normal is supposed to look like on these waves, yes. I guess, is what yes. you're saying. Okay.
0: All right.
2: Yeah. So theta is a wave up from that and it's kind of the twilighty wave, you know, like right before you go to sleep and you're kind of in daydream land, right? So actually theta, and most people are really surprised by this, but theta is prevalent in ADHD. And you may think you see kids with ADHD and you're like, they're hyper, but it's actually their left frontal lobe being under aroused and not being able to focus and process, right? So one of the things we do with ADHD is we decrease the amount of theta. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and these different types of waves or frequencies, I guess, like deltas. Yes. Look for all those engineering geeks out there. You probably use like Fourier transformation, measured in hertz, stuff. right? Cycles per yeah. okay. second. Cool. Right. All right. See, yeah. see, I sounded like I knew what I'm talking about, but that's the limit <laughs> of my knowledge, right yeah, there.
1: You did man? That was. Yeah. This sounded good. Well, thank, yeah, good. Thank I mean, you had thank. me fooled. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. So
2: above that is alpha, and mm-hmm. this is like that calm, meditative state. And mm-hmm. we used to train everybody to alpha because we thought like, and we still do for things like PTSD. But the fact of the matter is, like, Buddha didn't get a lot done, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So it's great to be meditative, but sometimes we need to be in a higher wave. So SMR is a little bit higher wave, and we think about it as relaxed attention. So I'm motivated, but I don't feel any anxiety or threat, okay? Now, above that, I'm almost done. There's two more. more, So above that is beta, and beta can be a really good thing in low Low beta, like beta one or two, is like focus, right? Like when you're, I got to get this done, and I'm going to get it done, and I'm excited about that. Beta five is catastrophizing, right? And so the example I use is a client I had who um, was dropping her child off for daycare, and she wasn't worried the kid wasn't going to get enough attention. She was desperately worried the kid was going to be kidnapped, that's a beta 5 thing, okay. not a beta 1. All right. Right? Okay. Yeah. And then the only other one above that is gamma, and that's a really high wave, and that is actually being associated with dementia.
0: Interesting. So huh? So, so different types of brain waves come along with different types of psychological problems. Yes. And you're training them to make their brain waves better, and that makes them better. Yes. Wow. Got it. Cool. All right.
1: All right, well, let's... Uh we got to go to break, unfortunately, yeah. because my theta waves are starting to activate.
0: Yeah, I'm having well intrusive done. theta waves. Yeah.
1: All right, so let's go to break.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when, we're, when we come back from break, we're going to be talking more about now how can we retrain these things to put them into the right order, yep. I guess. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, so stay tuned. We're going to have more Eye on Health coming back after these words.
0: Yeah. We're back on 7.1 FM Talk. This is the Ion Health show, KFTK. And we're here with Dr. Chris Schneider and with Catherine. we are talking about neurofeedback. And uh, this has been really cool so far. So, so with neurofeedback, we're talking about uh, different brain waves and abnormalities. Of brain waves that people have with different conditions and with neurofeedback, we can train people to have more normal brain waves. Did I get that right, Dr. Schneider? You did. Well done. woo Okay, yeah. okay. I get a I get a gold star or a smiley <laughs> That's face right. or whatever. The some, car
2: would go forward. The car, yes, yes,
0: I get I get I get some positive reinforcement. Thank you. So um, so can you tell us more? And I, I guess possibly the best place to start here is can you tell us about tell us more about what the different conditions are that can be treated with neurofeedback, and and what are you looking for brainwave-wise with, with some of those?
2: Yeah. And so, you know, the history of neurofeedback is interesting in that we sort of realized we could do this, but we we're sort of stabbing in the dark. Like, how do you, how do you even know what normal looks like, right? Yeah. And then finally, this guy Thatcher came up with a database, and he has at least thousands, maybe tens of thousands, of normal EEGs, which allows us to take... Uh, an assessment that we take of somebody and compare it across this great database. And we can say what part of your brain is under aroused, what part of your brain is over aroused, what, brain's, what part of your brain is inhibited. And we can train you towards the norm. And in doing so, we take things like ADHD, we, depression, anxiety, and you, we bring your brain to a more balanced function, and those symptoms tend to go away.
0: Yeah, and you train people to do something different with their brainwaves, Sort of using motivational things like, like video game type. Motivations,
2: Right. And so there's. it's important to remember there's nothing going in your brain. Some people confuse it with shock therapy. And I've yeah. had a client yeah. once come in two or three times and be like, I just don't think I can let you shock my brain. I'm like, nobody wants that. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> All yeah. it is is reading yeah. your brain waves yeah. and giving you mirroring and having your brain go towards more adaptive functioning. And what we know is when your brain goes to more adaptive functioning, it stays there. And so the good thing about this is that, You know, whereas antidepressants you have to take long term, something like ADHD, you know, stimulants you'd be on the rest of your life. We can do 10 to 15 sessions, teach the brain how to focus, and you're good. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, every six months you may need to come in for one or two sessions, but, you know, the stimulants are gone and you're focusing and you're off and flying. So what
1: are the most common conditions you're treating at your practice with neurofeedback?
2: Uh, so the most, the two most common things I, well, three most common things I see are PTSD from trauma, and we can talk a little bit about that because that's really, really great, um, but also ADHD and anxiety, depression.
1: Okay. All right. That's the bulk of what you're treating it. At your practice. And are, would this be for people that have failed other treatments or can this be considered a first or second second line treatment without having to fail a bunch of things first?
2: Yeah, this certainly can be a first line treatment. Okay. Right. Um, you know, and lots of times we have people. So, for instance, I see a lot of kids who have ADHD and anxiety. And so the problem is, is if you give a kid with ADHD stimulants, their anxiety goes sure. up. Sure. Right. Mm. And you can't medicate half of the brain. Whereas with neurofeedback, we can go and train the left hemisphere, which is where ADHD lies, and then go and train the right hemisphere, which is where the anxiety lies, and we can take care of both.
1: How do patients find their way into you? Are they referred in by their general doctor or by their psychiatrist, or are they just calling up themselves and saying, look, I heard about this and I I want to try?
2: All of the above and... We, we collaborate with a lot of therapists in the area. So, for instance, people who are doing trauma work, sometimes trauma work can actually make people worse and not better. If they're not stable enough and they can't emotionally regulate enough, mm. then when you actually go to the trauma work, people end up deteriorating. And
0: by, by trauma work, you mean going to a therapist that has you talk about your trauma yes. over and over again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. like All a right. combat vet yeah. right. who comes sure. back
2: and is trying to work through their experience. Um and so lots of therapists will come and have those people do neurofeedback with us adjunctively to bring down the trauma response so that when they go back, they can actually do the trauma work without all those really, really hard yeah. side effects. So, what so if
0: neurofeedback, your you can deal with the trauma without talking about without
1: it. Without talking about yeah. it. What if you're one of these people, you, you know something's not right. You probably have self-diagnosed, I've got anxiety or I'm, you know I'm depressed, but I don't want to go on medicine. Right. And I don't want to go sit and talk to a counselor. I, maybe I just don't have time to go talk to a counselor all the time, or or that's just not going to work for me because I'm not that type of person. I don't talk. Right. Could that person call up your practice and just say, can I start here? Can yes. I maybe start with neurofeedback and see? Yes. Yes. So how do they get a hold of you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we have a website. Okay. It's called integrativemindinstitute.com, and people can go there. There's some... Um, Sort of psychoeducational things that you, they can be there to talk about neurofeedback, pictures of what it would actually look like. But really, they can come in, and we can go through the symptoms. And even people who've had stroke, who've had traumatic brain injuries, had those sorts of things, we see a lot of that. They come in, and again, we can do a nineteen-point assessment. And we can look at their brain map and show them, wow, these are the parts of their brain that are sort of outside of statistically what we would expect in kind of a neurotypical brain. And we can then talk through, do the symptoms match what we're seeing in the brain? And many times people will say, that's why. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm doing this. So, for instance, people with alcoholism, lots of times they'll come in and their hind brain will have no alpha whatsoever. What does that mean? They don't know how to calm. No wonder they use alcohol, <laughs> right? Oh, Something's yeah. got to calm them. And they look at that and they say, that's why I'm using. Uh-oh. Got it.
0: So neurofeedback instead of booze.
2: Right. Right. Uh, right.
0: Which might have advantages.
1: <laughs> 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 Something's got to, you got to try something, right? That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So it's Integrated.
2: Integrative. Integrative. integrative
1: Mindinstitute.com. Institute. Mind mm-hmm. Integrativemindinstitute.com. You guys are local here in, in St. Clayton. Louis and yeah. Clayton, so uh, yeah. local. You can come get your assessment and
0: get started. Yeah, and, and you got two office locations. So
2: we also see people out of Kirkwood, but the majority of the neurofeedback practitioners are in Clayton. Oh, okay. So It's okay. easier to get into Clayton. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and I I know you guys have a long waiting list, which is which means that you're good. <laughs> I mean, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what I say to people is you know, the goal is to get you off of meds. If that's your goal, we can do it while you're on meds, but, you know, it is a commitment, right? And so it is twice a week. And, you know, for something like ADHD, we're talking maybe 10 to 15 sessions for sort of longer period trauma. It may be 20, 30 sessions. And so it is a commitment. Um, and, and the change happens subtly, right? So it's not like a stimulant where you take it and you're like, Oh, that feels different. Um, But, you know, I've seen some remarkable things in the few years I've been doing it.
1: So you've brought a patient with you. Yes, yes.
2: Hi, Catherine. She made it through the waiting list. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Congratulations (laughs) for putting up with their long waiting list. So, yeah. Yeah. You
3: actually did have a little bit of a waiting list when I started with you, but I started with talk therapy, actually. She actually came in at the beginning. Yeah, Yeah. and I had um, heard about a book on public radio called the body keeps the score and it's on it's a summary of research on ptsd and early childhood trauma which i oh. survived so after i read this book i was like mm. i was already on antidepressants and after i read this book i started looking for someone who knew about this research and i went to two other people and they were like mm haven't heard of that, don't believe in early childhood chronic trauma, only PTSD, immediate. And so someone referred me to Chris. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I got there, I said, look, I read this book. She said, oh, I'm really schooled in all this research and actually um, started in one kind of therapy, this internal family systems talk, but it only seemed to take me so far. Mm -hmm. And then Chris really wanted me to try neurofeedback. And um wow, it made, I mean, for me, it wasn't a subtle difference. It was a dramatic difference. And after even the first week, I mean, you could ask my husband, I'm someone who went to bed at seven o'clock at night because I had Theta all over my brain, apparently. (laughs) Uh, I do have to say that when Chris first did my assessment, she looked at my thing and said, I think I'm going to take this case to my supervision. (laughs) But after the first week, like I stayed up till ten thirty at night one night doing taxes and organizing my office, and like my husband was like, "This is the invasion of the body snatchers." Um, wow! So I mean, wow. for me it was Come to my for house. me there was no downside, <laughs> wow. and um, and since then I think that the biggest thing for me is that I'm not overrun by my emotions, mm-hmm. and that I'm aware of my emotions before they overrun me, which was really. Um really helpful for me. Yeah. And I did get off of antidepressants and doing neurofeedback. Wow.
0: Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So how
1: long have you been do- doing the neurofeedback?
3: I've been doing it quite a while. A year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean there now like there's gaps in my treatment. I haven't had a treatment now in like two months, mm-hmm. but I'm going in next week for a tune up. Huh. Um,
1: so you can tell maybe when it's time or do you have something like regularly scheduled?
3: I I can tell kind can tell. of when it's time. And I yeah. also, I mean, I visit the screen in my head and I actually at huh. one session took a photo of the screen when, when the car was going forward. And I, I touch base with that during the week, actually. Huh. And my brain yeah. remembers yeah. it. Um, oh. so, Great.
1: Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to get into more about her treatment and her experience with it because it's just it's fascinating. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to go to another break here. Which brainwave should we focus on while we're on this break?
2: Let's do some alpha. Okay. All right. All right. Good.
1: All right. Alpha's got to be the best. I mean, right? (laughs) All right. So we're gonna go to break. We come back, we're gonna have more about neurofeedback here on Ion Health after these words.
0: All right. Ninety-seven point one FM Talk. We're back, huh? Yeah, we're back. Ion Health Show. And we're, we're talking about neurofeedback. And a uh, couple things we wanted to talk about. I think well, one topic that came up during the break while we were, we were all doing our alpha wave thing here. <laughs> uh, or may, maybe it might have been beta because we were thinking hard. I'm not sure. But but we, we, we were doing the alpha and beta waves and talking about uh, possible uses of neurofeedback to not necessarily to uh, help uh, to help illness or to help suffering, but to... Optimize performance in people, so we wanted to talk about that, and also we want to hear more from Catherine about what it's like to actually have neurofeedback. Like, what's the what's the real nitty gritty when while we're doing
1: that? Catherine, so. were you were you scared at all?
3: Um, I wasn't scared. I didn't think it would work because ah, okay. I'm not young. Okay, and, um, all right. I'm a senior, and I was a little worried that my brain wouldn't hmm. react, sure. and it did. My brain learned.
1: So you definitely didn't go in with the biased expectation that it was going to work. You no. went in actually skeptical. I did. Oh, but you were just yeah. desperate. You just wanted to try anything.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like huh. hey, this. Hey, this is this probably isn't going to work. But what the heck? Yeah. Huh. huh. So so what what's it like having the treatment? What what do they what do they do?
3: Well, you you have a cap on, and huh? then Chris. Um, talks to you about which part of the brain she thinks would be good to treat. For instance, the back of the brain, uh-huh. I, I'm treated on a lot, um, which is um, early brain stuff. Early,
2: uh, how would you say it, Chris? Yeah, like early experiences get stored in the hind brain before even verbal. Before you even have verbal ability, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, there's lots of studies that show that people with, for one of the studies, is people with parents who are alcoholics have a deficit of alpha in their hind brain. And so, if you think about what people do in addictions, and that obviously wasn't your case, but what people do in addictions is alcohol tends to immediately increase the alpha in the hind brain. Oh. Now, unfortunately, it has a bunch of other bad side effects. But if we can Up the amount of uh, alpha in the hindbrain, that compulsion to drink tends to go away. Actually, I don't know if you would mind talking about, because you talked about your relationship with alcohol.
3: Yeah, actually, that wasn't really why I was there, but my relation with alcohol changed dramatically. Like, I could be somebody that would easily throw down three glasses of wine and not feel anything until I was, like, knocked over by it, and now... I mean, we worked really very intentionally on sort of the part of the brain that is awareness in the body. I don't remember which part that is right now. F8. F8. And <laughs> um, and now I'll have a glass of wine and I'll say, hmm, yeah, that oh. feels, I feel that. Hmm. And and that has been my experience again and again with just feeling things before they take me over. And um, it's just, it's very moving for me that this has helped me in so many areas of my life.
1: Would you, would you, I'm guessing you would recommend, or you wouldn't be sitting here with us, you would recommend someone maybe that's sitting on the fence and they're maybe scared about putting electrodes on your brain to do all this. It's really not invasive at all, correct? It's not invasive. I
3: mean, the only thing you get really, uh, I, I started to say that before I got off that tangent. I mean, you put the cap on and then Chris will put gel in the holes on the parts of the brain that she wants to see the brain waves on yeah, at that the, time. So the parts the back of your of
0: the scalp.
3: Yeah. Parts of the scalp, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yes, so you do have sort of gel in your hair. <laughs> that's I mean, the worst of it, but, though, I mean, right? That's yeah. the worst of it. Yeah. And I do think some people like to wash their hair when they – I have sort of a fluffy head of hair, so I can sort of wipe it off with tissue and then not worry about it until mm-hmm. the next morning or something. I mean, it's definitely – if that's the worst part of it, that is really manageable side effect, gel in your hair.
1: Well, you just yeah. you hear neurofeedback, you hear electrodes on the scalp and all of that, and it probably is scary to some people because yeah. we've talked about all the scary right. things like shock therapy and all that,
0: right? We've right, talked right. about it. Yes,
1: yeah. So that, I am sure yeah. there is a stigma only because they simply do not understand. Yeah. So having you explain to them, if the worst thing that happens here is you get some gel in your hair, that's not the end of the world, right? No pain with it at all. There's no pain with no it. No really. headaches Chris or anything. Is, very,
3: is always saying, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? There was one time at the very beginning, my treatment, where we were doing—I'm going to use these terms. You were training me in SMR, which for some people like me with, with PTSD and early trauma is too high. So I, I have to be trained in alpha and not SMR waves. But we didn't know that then. So I was being trained in SMR, and then I went home and I had like dizziness all weekend to the point where I couldn't drive. Mm. And then my husband drove me back in on Monday and we retrained my brain, and then my dizziness was gone. That was the only side effect that I can remember.
2: Yeah. And what we, you know, what I always say to people is that that dizziness or those headaches typically are there during the session. And so, if somebody tells me, "Hey, I'm starting to get a headache, or I'm starting to get dizzy," there are very simple things that we can do just to make that go away. And if somebody weren't stubborn and would just call me later that day, we could <laughs> take care of it. <laughs> but that
3: is part of recovery from trauma. It's sort of absolutely. thinking that I did something wrong. Yeah, right. So, um, uh, this will get better at some yeah. point. <laughs> right. Mm. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I got to imagine the applications for a whole generation of people who have been at war now. Um, This, you know, I would hope that the government would maybe be getting involved with something like this because we have a whole generation of soldiers that are.
2: Well, yeah, for sure. And luckily, uh, the VA has just bought like 20 equipment, 20 pieces of equipment. We actually had to wait to get our equipment because they had backlogged. Um, (laughs) But the other people that in the military is the U.S. Navy and West Point, because not only is this about like you were talking about, not only is it about bringing up a deficit, but we can do peak performance training, Sure. right? So we can train pilots, for instance, to stay calm at times of crisis. We can, um, you know, we can train elite athletes like Olympic teams to stay in the zone and to be able to focus and stay in that way, right? And so, yeah, you know, not only do people come in saying, hey, you know, I can't focus or I'm ADHD, it's also a gosh, I want, I want to be the top performer in my field. How do you help me?
1: There were studies done in the late 90s and early 2000s looking at um, surgeons in training. Mm-hmm. And those that played a certain amount of video game hours were doing way better on some of these surgical tasks than those that had never been exposed to video games ever. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, um, you know, and part of eye surgical training, which is a very minute surgery, we use lots of simulations now, com- computer simulations, almost like video games, to train the brain. I guess we're doing neurofeedback kind of things with these, but we're, we're not monitoring it. But right. right, that is neurofeedback, right? Well,
2: not necessarily in that what neurofeedback does is we're monitoring your brain waves. And so the it would be neurofeedback if the video game was helping you towards more clear focus and attention. And sometimes video games by nature do that. Yeah. But, you know, but again, like, so if I'm training somebody with anxiety and they're watching the video game and they're getting stressed out because they want the car to go, that's going to make the car stop even more. Yeah. We're going to, the car's not going to go till they relax and can watch it without anxiety. And just mm-hmm.
1: like you mentioned with fighter pilots, you don't want them, um, <laughs> you know, getting in a high stress situation, you know, not being able to focus. It's the same thing, you know, doing surgery on yes. someone, you yeah. know, look. Things can happen during surgery and you want you want to be able to maintain your focus. Maybe they should start adding neurofeedback to surgical training for these for these young surgeons.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and we there's a whole nother probably program to talk about the stresses that doctors are under and, you know, the mental health rates and that sort yeah, of thing. Right. And so being able to give them he- some help around sure. the anxiety and depression as well.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. We look at physician burnout rates and, yeah. you know, uh, you, this may be something that we... no. So um, so you did training and you used to do it intensely and now you only go in every couple of months to kind of freshen up.
3: Yes, I used to do it twice a week. Okay. And then I went down to once a week and um, now I probably will, I don't know, uh, i have to Chris is a pretty good guide. On that. Yeah, you kind of play it by and, ear, and um, has a great sense of, yeah. of that. And then, but I'm feeling really good. I don't. I mean, I'm feeling very stable and happy and able to be productive and focused and organized. So, I mean, to me, it's just um, pretty amazing what how far science yeah. can bring us and how much it has helped us. And I'll tell you, one of the amazing things is I've realized now um, a lot of stuff about my family of origin, and I have a lot more empathy for my parents than I ever had before in my life because I understand um, that my dad, it was something that was not talked about, that I I now realize that he had terrible PTSD from World War II Hmm. because he volunteered the day after Pearl Harbor and was in the entire length of the war— and he came back a little crazy, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and I never had any empathy for him because of um, what we endured. But um, I do now because I understand sure. he also was a victim of war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't
1: mm-hmm. talked about was or even understood, about, prob- right? properly understood, actually, yeah. until yeah,
3: when it was the 80s. Right. When, yeah.
2: When it was first diagnosed. The, I mean, yeah. well, and first I think described, or first described, described, first yeah. described. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing that I see a lot is people who even nowadays who know they have trauma, know they have symptoms, know it's hurting their lives, they go to therapists and talk therapy isn't working, and then they get helpless, right? And they show up at my door saying, well, I don't think this is going to work. Nothing else has, Hmm. right? Hmm. And so, you know, to me, that's just so sad that these people who are brave enough to get help then end up feeling more helpless because what we're doing isn't exactly. working. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and then it compounds and then they maybe not want to try anything else.
2: Right. Because yeah.
1: nothing. they're the person that nothing works for.
2: Yeah. Typically people come to me because somebody said it worked for somebody else or they've seen somebody else and they're like, I want that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. What is the classic brainwave pattern for someone who has PTSD? Is there one thing that you can put that monitor on you look at the monitor and you're like, oh, this person's got PTSD, even if it's not, even if they haven't been able to verbalize it.
2: So very typically, a PTSD pattern is your brain is both over aroused and under aroused at the same time. And so you have high beta and high theta, which means there's no room in the middle to actually process things. And we look for this in your temporal regions, regions, which are memory integration. It's also the part of the brain that helps regulate thoughts and feelings, because what a lot of people with trauma will say is, I know I'm safe. I just don't feel safe. You know, I know I've created mm-hmm. safety in my world, but it doesn't feel safe. And the brain's not coherent. It's not integrating in the way that reality is fitting in.
1: Is that pattern classic? Yes. I mean, is it? it's unmistakable. How long does it take to read that pattern for someone? Like, uh, what's the was it 5 minutes to get a reading like that. So
2: the first assessment we do which assesses for both state and trait. So how you're doing right now and how you are overall. The first one of the first sessions we typically do an assessment and all we need is 5 minutes of recording with eyes open, 5 minutes with eyes closed and 5 minutes with a cognitive challenge. Now the actual appointment takes an hour and a half cuz we got to set up the sure. cap and the gel and but that's all we need. And we run it through databases and it just it clearly shows up. And the number oh. of people who've come in and said, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I have ADHD. And I'm like, actually,
1: you have this, this is a
2: trauma brain. Aha.
1: Oh. OK, great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, when we come back, then I'm going to pose a question to us all. We have a very high suicide rate on our returning veterans. Right. If it's going to take a 10 minute test, five minutes, eyes open, five minutes, eyes, cl- eyes closed. Why don't we screen them all on their way back? Hmm. Food for thought. Right. While we're going to break, yeah. okay. So stay tuned. We're going to answer that question when we come back. We got more Ion Health after these words.
0: 97.1 FM Talk Ion Health Show. We're talking about neurofeedback, and uh, right before the break, we started talking about uh, potential uses of uh, neurofeedback in the military. Uh, t- tell, tell us about that, Doctor Schneider.
2: Yeah. You know, we were talking about, uh, you were asking the poignant question of why aren't we assessing people when they come back? And over break, I was saying, well, actually, why don't we assess people before they go? And why don't we do some things for resilience? So for instance, in the history, one of the things that started uh, neurofeedback is they were doing this thing and training cats just to see if we could train them to SMR. And then because the guy who was doing the cats, the cat experiments also was for the military. They ex- these cats got exposed to toxins.
0: Uh, I, can't tra- I can't train my cat to do anything.
2: <laughs> you got to implant electrodes in their brain. Try oh, that. Okay, okay, I'll don't try don't know that. your family would approve. <laughs> right, yeah, uh, probably, probably not. But uh, when these cats were exposed to this toxin, the cats who'd been trained to SMR didn't have seizures in the way the other cats did. This oh. is a resiliency factor, too. And so what would happen if we trained our soldiers before they went to make their brains more resilient as well?
1: So you wouldn't have as many coming back with PTSD. Right. Um, You know, we do so much training before we send them over there. Lots of money is is, is put onto these, into these soldiers to make them these fighting machines. But what if we, you know, did some of this? How many sessions? I guess there's probably no exact number, but I mean, how much effort would it take to pre-train some of these brains so that they didn't come back as damaged?
2: Yeah, so maybe two sessions a week for... Five weeks or right. something. And right. I know what
1: sort of training these these guys are going through. That would be something probably they would enjoy right. actually doing, doing right. compared well, you know, to some yeah. of the other stuff.
2: Interestingly enough, there's a school in New York, I want to say Harlem, but where they had a really high expulsion rate. And they started bringing in neurofeedback equipment and they didn't demand anybody do it. They just said, hey, here's the deal. And they found that their kids who are more violent... Self-selected to like when they got upset, they would leave the room and go do neurofeedback and expulsion rates and violence rates went down to almost non-existent. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking about vets and trauma, but let's talk about kids who have violence, who have, who are, you know, in in violent neighborhoods. And, you know, why aren't we doing this in schools as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many shows have we done on the school systems and what to try to do to turn them around? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's much, uh, you know, significant time. It it would be doable. Right. Right. I know when we're talking about our military or our schools, you're dealing with a high volume of people, but it doesn't sound like this is something that would would not be
2: doable yeah we're talking about 15 to 20 minutes of session of right. trainings for it to really get the resilience factor up and that's what these kids did they would self-select and go into the they just had neurofeedback places in the counselor's office they would self-select go in train for 15 minutes and go back and we're just taking their amygdala huh. and calming it down so now they're not in fight or flight anymore and they're not going to be as aggressive yeah Huh. And so it does change yeah. the state, but it also stages, changes the trait. Meaning, it may calm them down in the in the moment, but it's also increasing just their ability to manage and not go up to be aggressive to begin with.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so the improvement sticks pretty well in between sessions. And I, I saw Catherine nodding in agreement with that <laughs> one. So yeah. Yeah, I
3: really think that even if. If I go now the next time I go and if we do the back of my brain, it might look like my theta is higher than it will be at the end of the session. But I feel pretty calm Um, anyway, just because I think my brain has learned new ways of interacting with my environment and the world and has helped me um, realize so much what I'm feeling in the moment and you know, I'm somebody who like did meditation. I tried a ton of things, yeah. mm-hmm. and I have to say, for me, that neurofeedback has been really the most overwhelmingly helpful. Wow. Yeah, for my wow. his, for my particular history of yeah. trauma, it's been very yeah. very helpful.
0: Wow. Yeah, because I guess with neurofeedback, it's uh, I guess it's in it's in the name of it, but you get you get direct feedback from what for what your brain is doing, so you can. Learn to have this brain wave instead of that brain wave. And, and, and that's one thing I'm still kind of confused about because it sounds like there's something sort of similar to a video game that that you do to help train your brain to do this wave instead of that wave. Can you explain that? How do, how does that work? You said so you're looking about a at a screen and, yeah. and,
3: and uh, Chris or Dr. Schneider has different... Uh-huh. Um, games and I choose one I'm sort of a Star Wars fan oh yeah I choose one that is a spaceship Uh and so you have to keep it up in this corridor uh, um, kind of like the quarter from the very first Star Wars movie, <laughs> yeah. with oh, Luke right. Skywalker going after <laughs> right, that. Yeah, um, after kind of the, like a canyon to undo or the Death of Star, thing. right? Yeah. And so you're 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 needing it to go forward and stay up in the in the quarter. And so you're just looking at the screen, and your eyes are looking at it, and you're thinking, "Oh, go forward." You're thinking in your head, "Oh, go forward." And pretty soon, your brain starts making it go forward. And mm-hmm. um, I mean. I always think that I'm doing it slowly because my brain is old but honestly it catches on huh. and it starts going and it goes forward and apparently there are people in the session who feel well I do feel calmer in sessions I feel like I'm calming down but I don't feel dramatic differences in the session I but when I leave I feel more in control huh. I don't feel like my emotions are overrunning me um I I have to say, what it has given me is it's let me trust myself. That yeah. is the best way that I can say it. I trust myself.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. just like when Luke turns off his targeting computer, right? Like trusting that. himself, yeah. <laughs> like that. Very yes. good. Right. Well, hey, lots of great information. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very we'll have much to have you back us. in. There's a ton yeah. of information <laughs> yeah. here to talk about. Integrative Thanks for... Mind Institute. Yeah, right. IntegrativeMindInstitute.com. Mind yeah, right. Integrative Mind. Mind yep. Thanks for sharing your experiences. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to go play
1: some video games all day. Who's with me? Me too. All right, folks. Hope we have a great weekend. We'll be back again next weekend, and uh, there'll be more Eye on Health then. We'll see you then. Yeah.